Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. Another week of e-racing. We're getting closer, though, to that time when cars will be on track. Been some more interesting developments, and uh, particularly the uh, amazing run by Scotty McLaughlin uh, in E-Series. This time he's back in an open wheeler. Uh, great work in Indianapolis, I understand, Craig. Yes, he uh, was sitting on the pole at the start of the race and at the end of the race he was Johnny on the spot when the two lead drivers came together and uh, he was, well, he said it himself. He did a Bradbury and took the victory in the uh, E-Series race at Indianapolis to kick off what is going to be an online month of May. But Indianapolis was the final race. I believe, of the IndyCar E-Series, and they're hoping to get underway in June with racing again in the United States. It'll be interesting to see how soon supercars get going as the talk now is all about getting the country moving again, and that's something that I think there's a lot of people employed in the uh, motor racing industry that is looking forward to some on-track action, and I think we might even see club-level racing get up and running before we start to see the elite stuff and that's good for business and good for businesses in the motorsport game indeed it is indeed it is e-series rolls on we had last week uh, cam waters won the round we went back to that time of having rounds and uh, cam won the round i think only one of the races and there were four different winners over the four races now this week, round five, we have uh, uh, interesting uh, a change where Nürburgring's been dropped and uh, the four races, I assume, will be at Spa with the addition this week to the uh, regular pack of James Courtney. Um, he's uh, coming back. He has, hasn't made an appearance this year outside of Adelaide. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, and Lando Norris, Formula One driver, who has a, another huge following worldwide uh, through his e-racing and his Twitch profile, and he was on course to have a very good ra- race at the uh, Indianapolis E-Series race when he got taken out late in the race by, uh, I think it was Simon Paginal, um, who those two got together in the dying stages with only um, with only a little while left. You know, from memory, it could have even been coming out of or going into Term 4 that they had dramas on that final lap. So he uh, has got a... Huge following, and uh, he is going to be a great addition, much in the same vein of Max Verstappen, which absolutely lit up the internet when Max was racing in the BPE series. Indeed. And Lando, of course, first came to uh, my awareness when he ran uh, several years ago in the Toyota race series, TRS. And I imagine there's a fair number of New Zealanders as well who relate to uh, Lando. Mm. But uh, on a uh, bigger front, we'll look over the uh, the world of motorsports uh, at some other time. This time we'll turn our... Uh, focus back to Inside Supercars. We had an announcement today, which we'll get around to in a few minutes up in Sydney. Uh, This week's show, we feature an interview you did the other day with John Casey from Supercars. He's a marketing man. He's been and gone and come back again to Supercars Australia. Well-respected, well-known, and he was the uh, voice for 
supercars to speak up on the various questions that you uh, spoke to him about. And we also have Matt Stone, who's the newest and youngest of the uh, team owners, and he certainly is uh, showing up very well as somebody who considers the business and knows it well. But this week uh, there was the uh, turn of uh, Sydney Motorsport Park did a press release about and had a press conference about the lights and the uh, getting ready for the time when racing returns and some are mooting that it could well happen at Sydney. I think uh, September was the date for them, was it not, Craig? Yeah, that's right. So it'll be interesting to see how all the uh, calendar falls back into place when that time comes. But, of course, the CEO of Supercars was there, Sean Seema, talking about what's going to be happening uh, when he was quizzed by the media. And I know uh, everyone's very excited about a facility in Australia with permanent lighting. To Sean Seymour, as we uh, put some questions to him in today's uh, press conference on the Sydney Motorsport Park lights. Yeah, this is a big deal for us. We've obviously been on this journey with the team here at the ARDC for a couple of years now. We were here in 2018 uh, racing under temporary lights, so it's been a long-term project and it's great to see the lights going up. Our fans uh, and our sponsors, our partners, uh, love us racing at night. I think you see that from the first race that we had here, so we're itching to get back. What do the lights really mean for motorsport as well as for Sydney Motorsport? Yeah, look, I think it's important to acknowledge that there's not a lot of high-class, world-class motorsport facilities left in Australia. It's great that we have a flagship facility like this that can actually run 24-7 now. Um, and as as we have less racetracks, uh, the ability to run 24-7 is really important. So for motorsport, for supercars, for everybody, this is uh, this is a great facility and, and hopefully we can keep more tracks like this going across Australia. Sean, how much of the uh, drivers contributed to the success of the E-Series? Yeah, so, so the drivers have been great. I mean, the, the E-Series, let's be honest, the E-Series wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for the drivers, so we have to acknowledge the time and effort that they've put into making it happen. We've been really lucky that we've had that content running at prime time on Wednesdays so that we can stay relevant. Uh, so a big thank you to all the drivers and thank you to everybody that's tuned in. Have you been surprised at the level of interest in the E-Series? No, I know there, there isn't, but we're also fortunate in that we're able to simulate what we do so well. Uh, I know that other sports would love to have that, and I think we've just maximised the opportunity and yeah I think I'd be honest to say I was a little bit surprised by uh, the uptake but I know I've personally enjoyed the racing and found myself yelling at the TV a little bit too. It's not the ideal way to start racing in the E-Series and what are your plans to get back on the track? Yeah so obviously we're going through what every other sport is in terms of looking at our restart protocols to make sure that we're able to get racing again as soon as possible uh, we're targeting uh, in the next sort of 7 to 10 days to be able to update everybody uh, on on what the rest of the season looks like. Um, you're confident of getting back to racing soon then? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can expect to see us on the track pretty soon. It won't be too much longer. And I think the precedent that's been set with other sports is really encouraging, in addition to the great work that everybody's been doing at the state and local levels to get the cases down. So we're pretty excited about getting on track soon. How much have you been looking at other sports to, to get back? I mean, every sport's different and has its own nuances. But for us, uh, obviously, we're fortunate in that we're such a high 
highly regulated sport anyway. Uh, we're not a contact sport. Our guys are out there racing so uh, on their own. So we've looked at everything from horse racing uh, through to construction work sites uh, to be able to get going again as soon as possible. And what are the hurdles you've got to overcome? The, the biggest thing for us, I think, is the same as other sports, is crossing state borders. Our national footprint, the fact that we go racing everywhere, including New Zealand, is really important to our DNA. And, and that's the critical uh, critical hurdle for us. And what will be the importance in future of night racing? I think night racing for us gives us greater flexibility with our schedule and that's why a facility just like this is so interesting for us because we can run at different times of day or different times of night uh, to get clear air for, for our broadcast uh, to reach new fans and, and get away with some conflicts with other sports. And the focus for, for supercars in the future? Our, our focus right now is making sure that we can get racing, uh, get going racing again as soon as possible and then we'll start to look at the future once we've laid down the rest of this championship. What are your worries about the future for the sport? No, we've got a very resilient group of an entrepreneurial group of team owners. We've got great support from facilities such as this. I'm confident that once we get going again, uh, our fans will be back. They've stuck by us through the E-Series, uh, so I'm sure that we'll be back and we'll be better than ever. And I might be doubling up on this question because it's late, but um, great to see racing back out in the West End. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, heartland territory for us. The track's important to the history of supercars. Uh, it's important for us. We obviously spent a lot of time working with the ARDC on a proof of concept back in 2018 uh, for night racing, uh, but we're itching to get back racing. Yeah, interesting comments there from the CEO, both on Sydney Motorsport Park's lights and also on getting back racing again. And, uh, well, 10 days. Sounds like that's when the t- clock's kicking down. Uh, we might have another show in 10 days' time just to uh, update everyone on exactly what's been decided. Of course, it's the government and uh, what they uh, allow and, dis- and and open up that will be the uh, real uh, bearing on, on what, how this all develops. But anyway, back to this week's show and John Casey of Supercars Australia and Matt Stone, on the various items that you put to them, Craig, it was an interesting conversation. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. And, uh, well, a mini forum this time. We're joined from Supercars by John Casey. John, I hope things are well up there in Sydney. Uh, yep, well and truly, Craig. Mm. And a bit warmer, the climate anyway, as uh, it's starting to get quite cold down south, is Matt Stone. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be back on the show. Um, I guess the first question, Matt, is your team's just reopened for business. So right now, how is work going and how's the business going? Yeah, look, I mean, it's um, it's an interesting time uh, to say the least, but, you know, we've been fortunate enough that uh, the, the way Australia seems to be dealing with it, you know, it is, to, to coin the phrase, the curve is flattening and, and you know, we've been able to open up on a limited capacity and, you know, we've got a lot of measures in place to, to make sure that we're we're covered on a, on a health front and, um, and you know, we're starting to chip away at some odd projects. I've obviously put a bit of work into the, the D-series, which has been, you know, a really good thing for, for us and, uh, yeah, and sort of come back to a part-time version of normality while we idle away and, and wait for the, the real racing to resume. You expanded in the off-season. I imagine with the, the shortness of the gap, there were probably a few things that weren't done to your satisfaction because you had to get to uh, South Australia for the test day and then for the uh, 500. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we certainly um, 
prioritised everything with our expansion. And, you know, because we started it, because uh, we committed to it in October last year, we, we did get a lot of uh, a lot of what we wanted to and needed to get done done for that. Um, but that being said, the big backlog that we had was in work outside of supercars in our um, support category and, and customer projects. Those have certainly taken a back seat over the over the off season while we expanded. So you know now that we've been able to go back to work, it's given us an opportunity to catch up on that on that backlog and, and we're thankful for it in this time because it's um, giving us a, a few projects to keep us busy while we um, while we wait this out. John, supercars, how is that going? Because uh, it's a different set of issues and a different thing, a different a whole group of different things that you're trying to manage. Yeah, no, that's right. So obviously, like um, you know, like everybody else, our, our main main priority is uh, uh, to be uh, uh, to be going racing again, and and um, but you know, racing in a way which is 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 um, uh, consistent with the uh, the direction and the guidelines that are given to us by the by the various state and federal um, uh, authorities. Uh, so we're 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 just in the process of, of uh, you know, planning and, and uh, you know, working through the various scenarios that, that, that see us back on track as soon as, we, uh, as soon as we possibly can. What sort of things, John, can teams like Matt's team do for supercars right now to assist in this current time? Sure. Look, I think um, exactly what they're, what they're doing uh, right now, which is, um, you know, getting involved um, at a, at a, a tremendous uh, uh, level um, in our e-series, um, which is um, uh, every uh, uh, every Wednesday night. That's been, um, you know, that's been a great um, uh, initiative, uh, and it, it's it's you know working really well for uh, for us, for our fans, uh, and for uh, uh, for our our respective uh, or collective uh, commercial partners. Um, uh, the docu series, which is on uh, Tuesday uh, every Tuesday night, um, and uh, sidetracked our magazine style program, which is on on Monday night. So, really, the teams have been um, the teams, the personnel, uh, the drivers, uh, CMOs have just been fantastic in, in in terms of the way they've uh, uh, they've been piling in and uh, and getting involved. And you know, I have to say that. Uh, the quality of the competition now uh, in the E Series and the way the the way the drivers have um, um, uh, approached uh, competing in that E Series has just been magnificent. So, for Matt, what can supercars do right now to assist you, to assist you? Look, I mean, I think everything they can do, they are doing, and that is, you know, being very uh, very open and involving. You know, like we we as a we as an industry and a community, I think everyone's working together because, you know, the, the, the world will not, will not be the same after this. But, you know, one thing's for sure, we're all passionate racers and, and you know, we're a country that loves our motorsport. So, you know, we will, we will continue to race and I think supercars have been very, um, very proactive and they're working with the teams and, you know, everyone in the uh, industry to make sure that, you know, the plan we have is the right plan and that everyone is, uh, everyone is covered and, you know, while we, while we can't go racing, the D-Series is, um, yeah, it's been fantastic because it, it, it gives us the ability to go racing uh, and for all of our sponsors and partners and, and yeah, keep our drivers uh, keep our drivers busy and, you know, they're, they're probably busier than they were before having a race meeting every week. It's so many new circuits to learn. So um, 
I, I think they've really done an outstanding job in, um, you know, attacking this unprecedented situation and, um, you know, ensuring that at the other side of it, you know, we will have a sport and we will all still be here. And, and you know, like, we'll definitely, uh, you know, tourism and events and everything in Australia is going to change, but you know, we can, I think we've got the right, the right team behind us in supercars and, and you know, the collective uh, team owners that, you know, we'll come out of this uh, stronger and with a, you know, much, uh, a much, um, much better way of going racing to the new situation and, and you know, ensure that we can continue to deliver what is, you know, what I believe is a you know, premier motorsport product. Can your external stakeholders, your Obviously, you've got uh, partners who are sponsors, but you've got other uh, other stakeholders in your team that might not be putting up a lot of financial support, but they give you a lot of in-kind and, and just even some uh, advice from time to time to help you guide through some uh, treacherous waters. What can they do right now to help your team? Well, we, we, we've been very fortunate that, um, you know, we, we haven't had a bad response uh, yet. I mean, there's, you know, there's no question that, Motorsport is largely driven by advertising and you know commercial funds, and you know while our industry is at a standstill, um, many other industries uh, hit harder or not as hard. You know it's a very broad spectrum of how people have been, how businesses have been affected. Um, yeah, the, the the one great consensus that I've come out of this is everyone's ability to to work together. Like you know we understand that that other people are going through a bit of pain, and some people understand that, that we're going through pain, and you know like. We, everyone that I've dealt with in our stakeholders, partners, and various of kind, we've all agreed to work together. And you know that you know there is no, there is no easy and there is no right answer. And you know it's just going to have to be a case of, you know, some some businesses in Australia are not going to survive this, and, and you know our, our industry is going to take a hit in terms of um, advertising revenue with the lack of those businesses. So I, I've been very um, very overwhelmed by how good it's been to deal with people who, you know, may not be in great situations and then those people that, that are not really feeling the crunch, you know, are still in very good spirits and, you know, looking looking to help out everyone in their community. So you know, I, I think that all our partners are doing a fantastic job and, you know, I really got to commend everyone I've dealt with on their, their um, handling of this uh, odd, odd situation. Mm. And. Compared to teams, John, supercars, you have uh, so many external stakeholders, um, education bodies, governments, uh, of course, the commercial partners, and uh, and then volunteer groups, and, and the list goes on and on. Is there a way that they can help you? Look, I think, um, I mean, first of all, I'd like to echo um, uh some of those uh, those those thoughts of, of, of Matt. So, you know, our our partners um, uh, have been fantastic uh, uh, over the last couple of months in in, in terms of uh, the support um, uh, they've been giving us. So, um, so that that's that's been great. Um, I think, yeah. Look more more broadly. Um, you know, we're we're, uh, uh, we're in constant contact with. Um, uh, some of the other key stakeholders, the governments that you mentioned, um, uh, we're, we're, we're in constant and regular uh, contact with them, and, and you know they're making themselves available. And, and you know everyone wants us, everyone wants us to go racing again. So everyone's of exactly the same uh, orientation and, uh, and mode. So everyone's being 
very available, uh, very helpful, um, and uh, um, we, we certainly hope uh, hope that that uh, would continue. The fans, of course, um, continue to uh, give us uh, uh, give us great support by uh, uh, by, by tuning in uh, to the uh, uh, to the programs and, and the E series in particular and. Also, we um, uh, continue to, to uh, support us uh, uh, in terms of our fan council, which is an initiative we, we started this year. So the, the, the fan feedback uh, uh, continues um, uh, even while we're uh, while we're not racing. But it, as, I, as I said, you it, know, like like uh, just just again to, to, to echo Matt's comments, um, all our partners have been uh, been fantastic and. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're very appreciative of uh, everything that they've been doing. There is a great adage, John, and uh, you would be familiar with it, never waste a crisis. And my observation is I have never seen such a unified owners group than what we're seeing right now. It looks like they've all got the same hymn book and it's opened on the same page for once. Yeah, I think. Um, look, I, I I think that's right. I think um, uh, that the, the the teams have been. Um, first of all, I think our, our CEO Sean Seymour is doing an outstanding uh, uh, leadership job in in the most difficult of times, and and you know, equally the the uh, the team principals and team owners are, are likewise doing a magnificent uh, leadership job, and. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that um, uh, everybody's aligned because you know fundamental objective is the same. Um, we all want to get back uh, racing as soon as we possibly can. So when when uh, you know when when everyone's interests, uh, fundamental interests are aligned, um, it's uh, yeah, it's much easier to uh, um, uh, be aligned on on some of the smaller details. Mm. And critically, it's. When we do see racing start up again, it's probably going to compress everything down. Um, I know that the government meets on, uh, what is it, Friday the 1st of May to uh, discuss about return to return to activity for sporting groups. But if you have got a compressed season of racing, how do you think supercars – and your teams are going to be able to manage that. Yeah, look, I, I think obviously Matt can can speak from the perspective of the teams, um, but um, we, we we will be. Um, I mean, depending on the timing of, of uh, uh, when we go back, um, I think uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll have to very carefully plan. Um, not just the number of events, but the spacing um, in between the events, and um, you know, look at uh, uh, look at things which which we've discussed um, uh, fairly recently. You know, looking looking at the possibility of, of um, uh, two day events as opposed to three day events uh, to to try and relieve some of the strain. Um, but one thing's uh, uh, one thing's for sure is that when we do understand when we can go back racing on the basis in which we can, um, we'll, we'll we'll discuss um, all the options uh, with uh, uh, with the teams, and we'll use the the mechanism uh, that we've got with the commission, um, you know, which is which has served us uh, and, and the teams well uh, over the years to discuss and debate um, what's uh, what's possible, what's what's 
desirable and, and what we should do. So, Matt, your thoughts on uh, how how can you manage what would be a, a, a manageable workload for a compressed season? Yeah, and look, I think it's an interesting topic because, you know, with the with the sponsorship budget going down as a result of this, and obviously the um, the big hit that this whole stand-down period has had on uh, all the teams, I'm sure, uh, there's going to be no question that our racing budgets will have to go down and also the, the amount of time in which we are going racing is going to become shorter, which usually has the... Um, the opposite effect on racing budgets. So it, it's definitely going to have to be well thought out. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident that the, you know, the group working behind it in supercars and, you know, liaising with all the team, team owners and managers at the moment, are, are, you know, are very proactively looking at making sure that they get this right. But um, I certainly think that by lowering the, the amount of days of the event uh, is a huge one because um, it not only does it give us more, more time between events to to work on the cars um, because the events is a bit shorter, but also it's uh, it's less logistics, less time away, and and you know, and I think the other the other part of it is you know, given the uh, current situation, I believe we'll probably end up travelling with less people because uh, you know, it's air travel is going to be a little bit risky uh, through this um, period. So I believe by le- by having less people travel with the teams and going away for less days. Not only does that help alleviate some of the uh, some of the damage done to our budget, but also it gives us more time at the workshop between rounds, um, so that we don't have to then do shorter turnarounds, which you know would have the opposite effect of our of a you know, cost saving initiative. So, look, I'm, I'm confident that there is a lot of good people putting their their minds to it, and you know that the, the solutions are easy to find. The only problem we've got at the moment is we don't actually know when when we can start and that that is the million dollar question um if we knew, knew that now we could come up with a pr- pretty strong strong plan pretty quickly but i think everyone's just got to wait wait till we can get that green light um which hopefully you know because of the outstanding work of the um australian australian leaders i believe will hopefully be sooner rather than later um but yeah it's, it's very difficult to, to say until we know mm. now matt uh, Sean Seymour this week had ruled out the the hub idea of having everyone go to one location and then run multiple rounds all back to back to back, if you like. What were your thoughts on that? Were you When you heard that idea, how did it sit with you? Look, I mean, I can certainly see the theory. Um, the problem is, you know, we've got to not only manage the fact that we want to get back racing, but also the fact that we want to do it cost-effectively and, and and efficiently. Otherwise, we won't be racing for very long because you know we're just not going to have the budget. Um, the other thing is, I'm not I'm not particularly thinking we need to rush out and race tomorrow, but more so come back in a come back rather than coming back straight away, come back the right way. And for for me, that that probably at this stage, if I would have look at my crystal ball and take a guess. Yeah, that sort of says July. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of different, uh, you know, whether it be from fans, team members or official personnel, I've heard a lot of different scenarios, you know, whether you rapidly compress the, the races but then change the format to, to accommodate that. So, you know, you have racing every two weeks but with no pit stops 
or whether you uh, run the, the normal sort of calendar but just run it as a summer series, which has been spoken about for years and, and don't finish the season until, you know, whatever month it would naturally drag out to, you know, so sort of three months later than, than, than it's planned. Um, so I can see merit in all of these ideas and, you know, the, the, the key is knowing that when we can start being able to put the proper plan in place and not, not be forced to rush into a, an improper plan which has, you know, un, un, unintended consequences on some of the team's budgets and then, you know, ultimately would see those teams as a business stop to function and, and that would be, to me, that would be detrimental to the sport. Um, so... I think that the ideas that I've heard from a higher level um, conversation all have a lot of merit and they all factor in most of those, you know, majority of those issues that we're facing. And, and I'm sure that once we've got a bit more clarity on when we can start again, that, you know, the right the right implementation will be rolled out and we'll, we'll see, a, a, you know, a quality, a quality and an efficient series that, that looks after the teams, the fans, the governments and everyone involved. Mm. Is midweek racing a viable option? We've seen what the E-Series midweek can do with Sydney um, Motorsport Park having lights and the potential that uh, it's a cost. It's a huge cost. So we can't shy away from that. But is the ratings boost and the and the audience boost enough to justify that, that expenditure in the new world? It's an interesting one to talk about because, I mean, the initial – ratings that I saw for the first E-Series, um, they had just as much, if not more, people watching it, watching the replay on the Saturday than they had watching the live feed on the on the Wednesday. So, I mean, I I would say midweek racing is entirely feasible, but I'd like to see a, a, see a structured plan as to why, it, why we should sh- switch away from um, what has always been the traditional home of motorsport, which is on the weekend. Um, I, I, I would like to see the evidence of that, that it would get higher ratings um, and, and that, you know, like from, a, from an operations point of view, it really makes little difference in my opinion. Um, so it comes down to, and this would be much better directed at supercars, so maybe John can shed some insight, but I'm sure they would have more accurate um, information about whether or not it has a, benefit from a spectator and viewership point of view. Mm. So, John? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Matt. I'm, I'm not really sure why you would um, do it. Uh, I, I don't think um, I don't think just switching to a midweek um, time slot necessarily delivers you any racing's advantage or disadvantage. I mean, that would be something that we would have to take up with our uh, our broadcast partners uh, around their, uh, their their preferences. So certainly, I'm not aware of any sort of fundamental advantages in moving to a midweek format. Um, uh, I, I think, um, um, you know, tri- uh, again to echo Matt's points, you know, we're, we're traditionally a weekend sport. Um, that's where people expect to see us. Um, that's when they expect to tune in. Uh, I think, um, uh, yeah, I think we have to, there'd have to be some really, really good reasons as to why you would move to midweek, um, which I can't currently think of. Mm. Well, I do loosely say that Bathurst 12 Hour is John's race, 
would you like John to have on the Saturday, the final round of the championship? Oh, I think it's it's um, uh, it's a it's a uh, it's something that um, we'll look at in the context of the overall revision um, of the uh, uh, of the calendar. Um, I think Sean said on Friday um, that uh, uh, that we would give an update on on uh, we should be in a position to give an update uh, uh, on the calendar uh, in the next uh, the next couple of weeks mid mid May. Um, so I think uh, probably best just to uh, uh, to wait and uh, uh, listen to uh, listen to that update. Mm. I tried to do the logic. Uh, I tried to do the logic of having the Adelaide Five Hundred close this year's season and at the same time be the first round of the next year's. But logistically, I just I could not. I couldn't get it over the line in my own mind to see how you could do that because uh, too many things uh, would yeah, get think, in the way. I think. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, coming up with a calendar is 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 probably the most complex part of uh, uh, of our sport um, because it's not just coming up with a it's not something you can do unilaterally. It's something that's got to be done in conjunction with um, you know, all the various uh, stakeholders. So so the, the the combinations and permutations are almost endless, and throw <clears throat> throw into the mix um, you know the uncertainty around when we can start going racing again and. and Gives you some idea of the complexity of what we're dealing with. So, um, not I'm not uh, I'm not avoiding the question. Uh, it, it's just <laughs> I, I don't have an update for you at this yeah, stage. There's absolutely no answer at this stage. That's the real reason, isn't it? Um, yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, Matt, will there be things that you've done during this shutdown period that once everything returns to, well, I'm calling it the new normal um, because I think. It won't be what we were used to. Are there things that you do, ways you're doing business now that you will go, hey, this is actually working quite well for us. We might just keep doing this uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, if you look at our, our team and, and the business that it is, um, you know, we, we started off in support categories and, and you know, we, we do some some projects for some gentleman races and, and also, you know, we've, we've built, project cars and whatnot for, for various people outside of circuit racing altogether. But, you know, our, our general trend is that we work in, you know, cars that interest us, which is always, you know, high-performance or racing-style cars. Um, so over the last couple of years, as we transitioned into the, the upper levels of, you know, supercars, we had to, uh, as a, you know, as we grew over the, over the last few years, that side of our business has certainly diminished and, you know, we sort of let it go to focus on getting up into supercars. So now that we're in this downturn, we, you know, it was always our intention to get back into the, the sport categories and get back into those sort of project work and just general performance racing work that we, we enjoy down the future once we're a bit more established in supercars. So we're using this downturn to rebuild that that part of that side of our business um, and try and and gather up that extra work, um, which obviously will help us in turn with uh, with any budget shortfalls that, that might come. And, and I'm sort of very hopeful that if we can succeed in building up, rebuilding that side of the business, then, you know, if the the new normal, as you call it, you know, requires a supercar team to be slightly smaller in, in headcount, I'm hopeful that the extra business that we can build will allow our team to remain uh, in its current current capacity so 
So certainly that is my intention that we're we're building up not so much new build business, we're just rebuilding older styles of business the way we used to practice and it's entirely our uh, intention that once we go supercar racing again to keep that side of the business going and boom, and hopefully booming over the next few years. Mm. So, Matt, what surprised you most about your people during this period? Oh, look, I mean, I think, um, you know, we've, been, we've got a very good team and, you know, and it's obviously you know, my, my main priority is to keep that together. But, you know, like we're, you know, we, we work together, we travel together, you know, you spend more time with the people you do your work with than you do your own family. So, you know, we are a close-knit group and, you know, I think everyone's been very, uh, you know, I've been very open and forthcoming with our staff as to exactly what the what the outlook is at the moment. And, you know, obviously uh, as the, the job keeper in, potent, in particular came out, yeah, that was a big morale boost for most, both our business and our staff because it meant that, you know, the, the government had done something that directly helped us to keep moving. And, you know, all of our guys have been, young and girls, all of our guys and girls have been very, um, very grateful and very, very happy to work with our team. And we've been very keen to work with our staff to ensure that, you know, we, we do move forward and get through this um, as a unit. So, John, what do you think supercars will be able to use that they're experiencing now in the future and what have you learned about your team? Sure. So probably, I mean, just in, in terms of what we'll carry forward, I think um, um, we, you know, we do need to address the, um, the fundamental costs of, of what it is that we do, um, the costs that, that uh, apply to supercars as well um, uh, as the team. So, Whatever initiatives uh, we put in place to reduce costs, I think will almost certainly um, be part of the, 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 the new normal, whatever that is, going forward. Um, and I think the second thing is, um, I think that the, we, we've been operating the E-Series now for three years. And I think for the first two years, we've probably best described as, as not so much bloating with it, but we didn't really understand it and didn't understand what... Uh, it could possibly deliver uh, for fans and and, uh, uh, and partners, um, and, and not to mention the profile of the uh, uh, the drivers and uh, and teams. I think what you could expect to see is is the series being a much much bigger part of uh, uh, what we do uh, going forward. Scott Pye said on our forum that he thinks that using the E series to keep you on television, keep you in uh, the, the forefront and uh, in the public's mind in those weeks yeah. off, he thinks that could yeah. be where it could really become valuable for supercars. I think he's spot on. And, you know, the old uh, uh, saying, um, rate racing uh, when you're not racing, I think um, the E-Series is, is, um, uh, is definitely, a, uh, uh, definitely a strong candidate for that. And, I mean, let's face it; it's 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 real competition, um, and and you know, whilst it's not the same as um, uh, racing for real, uh, it, it's 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 still competition. It's still through exciting, and um, yeah, I think uh, I think Scott's right. I think it's a very good uh, very good candidate for uh, for uh, uh, providing um, uh, content for the fans uh, when we're not actually on track, Matt. For you, how has that E-Series been able to help your team and help with what you need in the way of profile and, and being able to build what you've 
started in the off-season? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think right from the moment um, that I heard this concept around the E-Series, I thought it was brilliant. Um, you know, I'll be honest, when the E-Series ran last year, um, you know, we didn't show a lot of interest and, you know, I didn't actually know until a second ago that it had ran the year before. So, um, but what I will say is it was a great idea by Supercars to do it in the way they've done it. And, you know, what, what it proves to me is that, you know, the, the drivers and the team um, and, and supercars as a category, they are the stars. Um, and, you know, you take away the, the physical event and you put on a virtual event with the same same category, same team, same drivers, and, and you know, you get a very, very strong result. Um, I have been very impressed with the E-Series, and I think that, you know, one, one, there's many ways to look at how we how this gets structured moving forward, but, I mean, Motorsports always struggled against all sports in the sense that we can't always have, as John said about our calendar being so difficult, we can't always have race, racing every Friday night or every Sunday like the ball sports do. However, I think you know the E Series proves a, a very um, positive opportunity that you know motorsport could have a very consistent presence in the market, even when we're not racing. And you know, with the, it is, although we say it's not real racing, it's still very real because. You know, the drivers and the teams uh, are all competing against each other on, uh, you know, an even platform and they're all trying to find an edge using their engineering and know-how and every, every asset at their disposal, which you know, that is very um, very similar to the real thing. It's just without the actual noise. So I, I'm a big fan of the D-Series having now experienced it in this capacity and I think that in all future seasons, we should always have an E-Series element, whether it be a an E-Series that runs through the off-season or, or an E-Series that runs simultaneous with the real, the main series. Um, and, and my biggest thing is link, linking the linking the entries like this is, where you've got same car numbers, same driver, same sponsors, same team. That, to me, is the, the golden ticket that makes it such a brilliant um, category. John, we've often joked that wouldn't we love to see the team owners get out there and race their cars and take out a few of those uh, 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 differences of opinion that they might have had across the year. I think you've just found the platform for the uh, the Christmas Cup, if you like. <laughs> well, hold that thought, uh, Craig. <laughs> Kevin Fitzsimmons said he wants to do it with all the sponsors. Well, there, there you go. I'm not sure... Um, uh, uh, I'm not sure that that'd, that'd be a massive uh, 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 audience draw, but you just never know. Yeah, but it'd make a good Christmas video to all the partners, wouldn't it? Oh, it certainly would. Yeah. It certainly would, guys. This- and, and, and anyone anyone who said that it's just a video game uh, certainly needs to jump on one because I I uh, in, in debrief talking about all the the video game lingo, I decided to go out and borrow a steering wheel and have a go myself, and it's certainly. Um, certainly not easy and, and you know it shows that even when these guys aren't in a race car on a real track they're still very talented to do what they do so uh, it's, uh, yeah yeah I, I think uh, if anything it's it's you know from a duffer's perspective it's it, it's harder it, you know they're harder to drive than a than a at least a road car that's for sure <laughs> yeah there's plenty more we could talk about, but time has gotten away from us. And uh, I appreciate the candor and, uh, well, we've covered a fair bit of ground over this last uh, period of time. So, John Casey from Supercars, thank you very much for your time. 
Absolute pleasure. And Matt Stone from Matt Stone Racing. Of course, we can check out the unit cars each and every Wednesday night on Fox Sports. And and probably, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break this. I'm gonna say, I think where we didn't realise the numbers and the exposure was Matt is it's not just the television product which has been first class. It's the drivers' live streams and having the fans engaging directly with them, listening to them bantering. The numbers for that have exceeded probably the television numbers. Yeah, and I mean it's a it's a unique a new, unique perspective because it's something that's very very difficult to well not difficult but not really not really put out there in in a real racing capacity. And you know if you're a team, you know it's it's a lot more. I won't say serious because we are everyone is taking this quite seriously. But you know in, in the at the racetrack that's not really something that is generally broadcasted but you know maybe maybe it's something that needs to because it's definitely uh definitely been a hit mm. john uh I does that extend sorry, but... to um does that extend to chas moss seeing chas moss that's uh tiger king haircut <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think we needed to see that but uh, john has that been a surprise <laughs> to you the, the just the 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 millions of viewers worldwide that have um, gone to twitch and I, gone to youtube and that sort of thing yeah look I think so, yeah, surprising and, and, and pleasing and gratifying. I, I, I guess um, uh, you know we've we've sort of we've always held the view that that um, uh, that that, that uh, you know giving access uh, to the fans you know, more access to to, um, uh, to to drivers and and uh, you know the, the behind the scenes uh, kind of uh, kind of content is, is is appealing. And I think you know this is uh, this this just goes to show um, that, that that's exactly right. Mm. Well, John, thank you. Matt, thanks very much as well. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Pleasure. Thanks, Greg. It's certainly uh, a developing world. Unfortunately, probably not developing fast enough for most people. Um, but uh, the E-Series is keeping a lot of interest alive in motorsport. I still see regularly on news breaks they have footage from the uh, E-Series, which is terrific to see. Both, actually, it's interesting because they, they're not only featuring supercars, but also the odd bit of IndyCar and F1 and NASCAR. So that's great to see that that's all getting some coverage. It is, and it is the focus of Macaulay Jones' Thought of the Week. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones, and this is my Thought of the Week. We've uh, had four series, four rounds of the series for the E-Series. It's, um, it's definitely been one that I've started to enjoy. It was uh, definitely had its frustrating times at the start, but it's um, become more enjoyable. I think the whole uh, series itself has has definitely stepped up in uh, professionalism. I think at the start, you know, you sort of saw some homemade sim setups with Rick Kelly, and um, and after one or two weeks, that quickly became um, sort of top notch uh, sim gear for him. So it's definitely stepped up. We've now got pretty much everyone will have a spotter, so you're sort of talking to one of your engineers who's talking through a bit of the strategy, even though they're eight lap races, so it's just the one pit stop. Um, but it's definitely helpful, you know, you can keep on top of sectors and something that's called an off-track, which is uh, an iRacing um, regulation. So that's uh, that's been more enjoyable, kind of bringing that team aspect of racing back into uh, into E-Series and, and making it feel a bit more like a, an actual race meeting, which is... Uh, definitely something that we're missing with uh, with not being racing at the moment. So we're heading into round five for this week, going into to Spa, 
which is such an amazing circuit. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to race at that circuit, and and with the track layouts on iRacing, they are pretty pretty precise on on their layouts. So it's been really cool to be able to get a feel for what the track's like and and the undulation in the circuit. I mean, you it's like Bathurst. You've always watched it from uh, from TV, but you can never really quite understand the the undulation and how steep it is until you sort of walk it. But this game gives you a really good feel for, for that and, and all the aspects involved. And uh, it's also teaching me patience. I think uh, we spend a few hours a day in the sim. I'm pretty pretty sure everyone in the whole whole field would be trying to get a little bit faster, but it, it uh, definitely has its frustrating times. That's, that's for sure. You know, where you make the same mistake or, you're forever doing outlaps just to just because you can restart and, and get fresh tires and, and low fuel once again. So there's a few aspects that I'm learning about the the E-Series and iRacing itself, but uh, definitely have turned my opinion out, around a bit more on simulators and, and enjoying it and uh, just being conscious that when we do go racing that we're not going to keep some of those potential bad habits that may be forming from using the simulator. And Maka, talking about doing sim racing, when you have an engineer, what's he watching that you obviously can't see because iRacing locks you into a driver's view? Well, actually, you can be a spotter, which gives you your own account, and you're able to pretty much come into the session, watch from the outside in. So you can actually look from a blimp view from uh, any pretty much angle of the car or the TV view, it's called, um, through the iRacing as well. So they can actually have an overhead shot of pretty much what's all going around, uh, going on. It's it's kind of like a NASCAR spot of wood. They sort of they sit from above and, and they look down and, um, you know, we've adopted the, the door bumper clear saying. So, you know, when you are coming around people, like we raced at Watkins Glen last week and it's quite a fast circuit, but, you know, it's the peripherals in the in the game itself from the co- cockpit view is is very hard to to gauge where people are. Um, so it's kind of handy having a spotter going sort of door bumper and you're clear and and you can kind of race a bit a bit better with having that engineer overseeing everything. Where are the bad habits coming from? Is it how you drive? <laughs> um, is it the the way you can crash, or is it actually a fundamental thing that will affect you when you get back in your race car? Well, I think there I think there's two ways to look at it. There's a lot of good things about it. I think you mentally you put the same amount of pressure as, as doing a qualifying lap in real life as what you would in the game. I think it it really stimulates that, and and also if you're doing you know doing some GT races and then 90 minute races, and you're really trying to limit the mistakes, and that's no different to real life. So that's quite a good aspect. But you know some of the some of the bad things are you may get used to pedals. Um, being a little bit weird because the clutch, you don't, you don't get the feel of a clutch like you do in a car, you know, you, you're kind of going off your, the sound mostly. And, um, you know, you don't have that feel of the car actually moving unless you've got a motion sim. But, um, I think there's just a few things like that. You know, you might jump to the throttle too hard because the throttle pickup's different to what it is in a real car, or you can't feel that, that tire really loading like you can in a real car as well. So there's just a few things like that. You, I think you're going to have to be conscious with and, and how you turn in, even the, the steering weight. And it's just, there's a couple of things, you know, you got to be make sure that you're conscious of. Do you have the opportunity with the sim racing to go back, study it 
and then learn from it? Or is it just a case of once it's over, it's over and you walk away? It's a bit like a T20 cricket match. Do you really care after it's gone? Um, yeah, 100% actually. I, I never liked sim, um, sim racing too much before until we got a bit of a better upgraded system. And um, and that's been really helpful to getting a bit more feel into it, which I, I've started to enjoy. And then also I've just had to suck up the first three weeks of learning a new skill, which is not always enjoyable at times. And I'm you know, I don't like picking up new things because I don't want to, I, I put a lot of time into it when I decide to do that. So for me, it was, it was just getting through that first couple of weeks and then really getting a bit of a, an understanding of how it works. Um, but I think I will definitely keep racing because I'm enjoying it. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been really fun just to be able, like, I've, I think I've done three races in the last week. Like when can I ever do that in real life at the moment? You know, it kind of feels like, um, um, the speedway spec in America, where you can race somewhere every night of the week if you if you've you've got the resources. Is there a BJR challenge going on between yourself, Nick, and Todd? Um, not not too much per se. I mean, I think we always want to beat each other. That's for sure. I mean, we're race car drivers, but not too much internal. I mean, just because we're not in the same spot, it kind it, it's kind of hard. You know, we don't really talk to each other. You know, not every day, that's for sure, because, you know, Nick might have a schedule that he's got something on in the morning and can't do anything at night or, or vice versa. You know, it's it's kind of you kind of just get on when you when you're free and when you you haven't got much going on. But, um, yeah, we sort of, you know, we just want to beat each other, I think. <laughs> anyway, so that's my thought of the week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, sign up to the email list at the Facebook page and check out my uh, my coffee blend that I've done with Criteria Roasters. Well, there's plenty more we can talk about sim racing, and I'm sure we will in the weeks to come. Thanks for your thought of the week. Awesome. Thank you. McCauley, he he, uh, he certainly shows a depth of thinking, and I suppose one of the reasons for that is that his, his entire life has been built around motorsport. His father and uncle, he's grown up in Albury with uh, motorsport as the thing that happens in his life and it's certainly uh, terrific to have listened to his comments over the various weeks on a man who uh, is certainly destined for a, a long time in this sport thanks it for uh, inside supercars thank you for joining us and we look forward to catching up with you next time inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your itunes or mobile device search inside supercars The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.